Mike Bella does not believe in a traditional retirement. He's a former English professor who writes a lot extensively about the subject. And it took him years to figure out how to create his own rules for his retirement phase of life. Since then, he's become a firm believer that the best is yet to come. He's a popular newspaper columnist. He's an award-winning college professor and best-selling author. Mike's been writing to and about the baby boomer generation for over three decades. He holds a PhD in technical communication from Texas Tech University, go Red Raiders. And he's been married for over 50 years. He has five children, 10 grandchildren in the retirement home they built for each other. Some of Mike's core pursuits are those wonderful ings, biking and hiking, actually mountain biking. He even wrote a book called Bicycling Through the Midlife Crisis. Mike is what I would call the happiest retiree on the block. I'm Wes Moss. The prevailing thought in America is that you'll never have enough money and it's almost impossible to retire early. Actually, I think the opposite is true. For more than 20 years, I've been researching, studying, and advising American families, including those who started late, on how to retire sooner and happier. So my mission with the Retire Sooner podcast is to help a million people retire earlier while enjoying the adventure along the way. I'd love for you to be one of them. Let's get started. So Mike, you do not believe in a traditional retirement. And you've dedicated a lot of time writing about that. And I want to know about that because I, obviously a huge part of Retire Sooner podcast is about getting to a place of financial independence, looking at another phase of life, maybe post work into a new life. And I'm just always so fascinated about your non-traditional or tell me about what you mean by not believing yeah, let me proceed that just a bit with um, uh, my readers are probably not the same as yours and your listeners. Um, I would give your book to people in their in their 50s and 40s and say, listen to every word and do all these things. Um, I'm talking to people mostly in their 60s, a lot of them who didn't expect to retire, a lot of them who... Um, you know, because of one thing or another. And anyway, they, they just weren't prepared. And when I talk about traditional retirement, I'm talking about that. It's, it's, maybe it's a kind of a stereotype anyway, but where people, you know, work their career and then they retire with a, a nice pension and they go to uh, Sun City or some retirement community and play golf. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I, I don't know if that was ever the experience of most Americans. And so maybe I use the word retirement because everyone uses it, but I'm mostly talking about a life phase. I'm talking about what a lot of academics call uh, the third act. It's, it's that time after you stop your retirement job, you, you need to maybe cut back. And there was a lot of things that you've held off doing that you want to do. So it, we may be closer on that you know, then it sounds, but that's what I mean. Yeah. So it's a third act. And you'd also talk about how money is not the greatest need of yeah, retirees. Yeah. What? Come on, man. Isn't it kind of important <laughs> that you kind of. Okay. 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 All right. Now, I'm not saying it's that important. Um, number one, I think there is a crisis 
obviously a retirement crisis in America. But I, I, I like to say I think it's a crisis of hope more than it is a crisis of money. I think if you find hope, then you can find, and by the way, I think that comes from your dreams, and I spend a lot of time in my book talking about that, uh, but but you have a dream and a reasonable expectation of getting there, and, and, and that's hope. And I think if you have the hope, then you're ready to uh, look at money as a tool for getting to that dream. There are a lot of people like me who, when uh, I retired kind of suddenly, I thought I was going to be teaching college like forever. I loved the job. And then we had a buyout. And and the unofficial word on campus was take this buyout or two years from now, you won't have a job or the mm. money. <laughs> mm. And so I wasn't quite ready for that. And like I totally panicked. I mean, it happened like with six weeks into and and my numbers, everything in my head. I'm just just thinking, you know, I'm not ready for this. Well, once I settled down and figured out what my dream was again, then I could stop and look at the resources, the money, the human capital, and could talk to somebody like you or someone else and figure out how I'm going to make that work. I think that that's such an amazing way to think about where we are in America. And, it, and it's such a good macro question or, or statement that you made, but it's also very much about each individual person. And that is this, what you say, there's a, there's a crisis, not of money so much. It's a crisis of hope. But again, you, you were like a lot of Americans, you got the buyout, right? Yours was, right. you were a professor, I guess an English professor right. and you, you left earlier than you thought. I mean, I'm in an AT&T Bell South town where, you know, they, there's buy, they buy people out like every week. They call it, they have yeah. even have a fancy yeah. name for it. They call it surplusing. And, and they do it very early, too, uh, probably earlier than in colleges and things. They, uh, you know, people are getting there in their 50s, right? Exactly. And, and, exactly. and, and so they got a lot of life still to live. So they, they could have a pretty good nest egg, but they got a lot of years. But tell me what you mean about this, but about a crisis of hope, though. What meaning that we don't, what do you mean by that? Okay. Okay. Well, well I mean this. Um, in order to come to someone like you, and ask for help in getting their finances together. Are you they, talking about they, coming they, to as a podcast host or a financial advisor? No, no, guy? no, no. So, so somebody, <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking of you as someone who writes books because that's what I've done. But, but they, they don't. In, in my opinion, they, they don't even come mm -hmm. unless they think that somebody's actually going to be able to help them. That that there's some hope there. And gosh, you can just look. I mean, there are so many. I, I read the blogs and things and the, the chat lines. Um, there are so many people that just give up. <laughs> and so they just dive into their money and they dive into, you know, whatever. And I don't know where they end up, you know, going to their kid's house. Um, I don't know. But I have done this. I mean, probably every segment of my life, midlife was, was hard for me. <laughs> And, and I, I had to change careers and jobs, and I, I ended up writing a piece called uh, um, Best Years, and I decided that the best years were really the second half, where people at one time said, if you didn't get it by 40, you're, you know, you're never going to have it. Mm -hmm. and, and so that kind of transferred into the retirement thing. I, I had a, a wonderful midlife experience that I'm thinking – Gosh, it's over. What am I going to do now? You know, die. <laughs> and and I got in and, and there's 
you know, there, there are people who thrive and enjoy retirement. And I was telling your technician a while ago, we did a little podcast for a little while. It, was, it wasn't that good, but it was called The Fun Side of Retirement. And and that's what we did. Just talked about all the fun things there are to do. It Some sounds of like a great idea. <laughs> well, well, and you've done so many. So you've got a couple different books. I want to talk about it. That's okay, I want to know okay. all one thousand and one fun things to do in retirement. <laughs> okay. But but the let's start with the the best is yet to be. Okay. I love the word creative. Yes, and and you know what? I I put that in because I thought it made a good title. <laughs> but uh, turns out it's maybe the most important word in there. Yeah. Because part of the success in retirement is being able to be creative. I think it was uh, Theodore Roosevelt that was uh, talking about uh, you need to, to do what you do with what you have, you know, when you have it. And so you got to get creative, I guess, about doing your resources. Okay, the best is yet to be uh, discovering um, what the secret to a creative and happy retirement. And uh, it's by far the most um, message-oriented book. I basically did, when, when my life crashed about six weeks into retirement, I did what English teachers do. I, I wrote and I Hold researched. on. I want to hear about that. Your life crashed six weeks into retirement. How old were you and what happened? So we were building a home, a new home. Now, how old were you? We never, we never, uh, gosh, I was 67, 66, yeah. 67. Uh, building a new home, we never built a new home in our lives. But I made the decision to build the new home and started everything when I still had a job as a college professor. <laughs> this is you and Charlotte that you've been married to for 50 years. Yes. Yeah. Been married 50 years, uh, 53 now. So um, I was on the phone talking to my uh, banker. And he said something about the loan committee, and it made me think, um, you know, I thought I was pre-approved. <laughs> and I'm getting this, this like, well, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen? And, and I literally just on the floor and acting like a seven-year-old and, uh, you know, just self-facing. How could I be so stupid? What did I do? And my loving wife <laughs> said the most important things I heard there. And she says, well, get up off of the floor and do something about it. <laughs> and I, like, I did. I like Charlotte. Yeah. Well, she's, she's, she's the farmer rancher's daughter. So I, I read and I, I mean, there are over 200 books in my bibliography for that book and yours was one of them, but I, I read what other people are, are, are doing. And, and that's basically the story of the book. And that's where I came on to dreams it, it seems to me that there are two ways to kind of uh, approach retirement. One of them is that you sit down and your planner or whoever's talking with you says, okay, what kind of assets did you have? And then they say, okay, let's figure out what you can do with them. Okay, the other way, and this is the way that I kind of came in, I got the idea from uh, George Kinder in his life planning book. Um, he asked that question, you know, if you had all the money you ever needed or wanted to have, then what would you do? And, and if you just had five years to live and you had all that money, what would you do? Hold on. That's George Kinder's book. What's the name of that book? I think it's called Life Planning. And then there's a, a thing after that. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Then uh, one of my readers called it the, the, the dream first approach. So I figure out what my dream is. And, and I think that's a process. Uh, most of the experts talk about going all the way back to childhood and, and interviewing yourself at various 
parts and find out what did what was your passion? What did you love? So I figure out what my dream is. And then I come to you and say, well, Wes, this is where I want to go. Mm -hmm. And then you say to me, well, what assets do you have? And, you know, human capital as well as the other. And then you help me figure out how to get there. Now, obviously, the more money, the more options you have. But, mm -hmm. you know, I am when I come to you, I am where I am. And you can't change that. So you start there. And for instance, your book, it was the streams of income. Uh, see, I was sitting here on the floor. I, I own five properties at this time, mm -hmm. and and they're all cash flowing. You know, making money. I'm not spending anything, but they're cash flowing. All, all I had to do was to get in and renegotiate a loan on that because we were all into wealth building, and now all of a sudden we're into living off of it. And within two weeks, I knew how we were going to live. Hey, y'all, it's Mallory Boggs, the producer for the Retire Sooner podcast. From an investment standpoint, the world is changing. We've gone from no inflation to hyperinflation, zero interest rates to much higher interest rates. All of this changes the dynamics for stocks and bonds. So the question for you, are your retirement accounts ready for it? Have you adapted your investments for these major shifts? Do you know what kind of income your 401k account is going to pay you in retirement? If not, maybe it's time for a new perspective. The Retire Sooner team is here to help. If you're ready to talk, reach out to our team and we'll help you take a closer look at how you can generate income in retirement and protect yourself from inflation. We'd love to hear from you. Again, find us at westmoss.com. That's W-E-S-M-O-S-S.com. So because you had planned on being a professor for many more years, it was kind of a big shock to the system. Yeah. You maybe were okay financially, but you didn't know you were okay. I think that's uh, that's at least partly true. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't have that, you know, what, eight times your your wealth or your, you know, income. That yeah, 80%. Eight times your income yeah. yeah. I didn't have that. And, and see, Wes, that's what scared me. I started off in my research, I started off and just reading all these books about finances and realizing that I wasn't even close. And and then when I got hold of that dream part, then it was a whole different question. It, it wasn't getting close to some mythical number that somebody has about how many millions you have to have a, a good retirement. But it was like, what do you need to do this? You know, and now, uh, truthfully, I've got more cash flow each uh, every month now than I ever had as a professor. So you had a rough phase for a little while. When did you start to understand that the best is yet to be, that you got to be creative, you want to figure out what your hope and dream is when it comes to retirement? How long did that take you, though? Um, trying to remember the guy's name. He's a life transition expert, and he wrote a, a book called The Neutral Zone, or he calls this the neutral zone. And the neutral zone is the place between where your old dreams die and your new dream is born. Okay. And that's a very hard time in there. And so I'm doing that and I'm getting, you know, into that time. And, and I guess, you know, reading this and reading that, I don't know if I could just put a time on it. But suddenly I realized that, yeah, that there are a lot of good things about being, quote, retired yeah. <laughs> in the traditional sense of that. And, and so I'm pouring myself into that. In my dreams, one of the things I figured out I was is that I'm a builder, I'm a creator, I build books, and I was building a house, and, and I built a little bit of a business. So, so see, that's your dream. My identity, I'm a builder, so, okay, what do you want to build? 
how are you going to do that? See, it gets real practical then. And, and that's when I think you need some, you know, advice that uh, people like you write about that tell you how to do that. So, so I, I actually really like the thought around that word build, right? I mean, I, I identify it with that. It's like you, you're, you're a builder of books, you're a builder of businesses, you're a builder of, you're building a house. And that was something that was constructive for you as you were trying to figure out your next phase. Yeah, that's something I did as a, um, a seven or eight year old when I had a lemonade stand, you know, or, or built a fort in the woods. And, and, and that's why you go back and you look into there. I've been in various um, jobs and things in my life where that part of me, you know, came through. And uh, I like to say that you theologians call that a calling. I think you, you dream what you dream because you, you are who you are. And, and so that are who you are thing, that, that's where, you know, like if, if you're a builder. And I use that Hans Christian Andersen story, The Ugly Duckling. You know, he wasn't a duck and he wasn't ugly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but how did he find out? Well, you know, he would just be out on the lake some days and he would hear these swans overhead and something would stir in his heart. And then one day he was swimming across the lake towards swans. He always swam towards swans, you know, uh -huh. for some reason. And he looks in the lake at his reflection and he realizes he is one. And to me, that's the seminal point. People figure out, you know, what is it? What, when did you feel stirred, passionate? And that's probably where your dream is. And once you get to that, I mean, I think the other, you know, it's hard way, work are, during financial planning. By the way, well, you are a quintessential English teacher. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a what? You're a quintessential English teacher because you just oh, pulled out a Hans Christian true. Anderson, ugly duckling, reflection in the water. I mean, that is awesome. Um, <laughs> all right. What's, what is the most, I, I do want to get to a thousand and one fun things to do. Cause I love just, I, I really do like practical stuff for the show. Like just, I asked Joe Saul Cihai on a recent interview here. Uh, he was with Emily Guy Birkin, who two of my favorite authors, podcasters, um, you know, like what are your favorite money applications, FinTech? And he gave right. me this whole list. And so I, I want to get to some fun things in retirement. You wrote a cool book about, you know, basically going on the road. You're like a, you know, going yeah. on the road, biking, hiking. We call it the Ings, biking, hiking, running, walking. Uh, what <laughs> is, what is the single most important piece to the puzzle? When it comes to happy retirees, does it go back to this calling? Does it go back to this or? Yeah, that's the most that, I mean, if you don't have hope, you're not going to have fun. It's hard to have fun if you're worried all the time. Yeah. So you, you got to do that. And, you know, seriously, probably a lot of baby boomers who are underprepared, that's what they do. You know, I'm not going to make this anyway, so I'm just going to go out and travel and blow all this money. And, you know, who knows what will happen after that? Well, you, you can't do that. So I say in this book that this, this 1001, I call it the, the introduction of a primer on playfulness. I, I studied a lot in the first book, The uh, Best Is Yet to Be. I, I studied play. Uh, there are a number of experts on play, and, and they say that, you know, if we as children, we know what play is. If you tell us to go outside and play, we know exactly what we're going to do. You tell a 40-year-old to go out and play. 
you know, and maybe, I don't know if, you know, they're really into some sport or something that they still do. Maybe they do that. But I have a feeling that we as adults forget how to play. All right. So I didn't know, I did not know they're experts on play. (laughs) It does make a lot of sense that there would be. Yeah. What is a primer on playfulness? So we just get, we get older and we don't know, we don't know how to play anymore. What is that? Why? Isn't that sad? Yeah, I, mean, it I know is sad. It's, it's sad, isn't it? You know, what maybe we happens? ought to go, well, maybe we need to go find our five or six year old grandkids and just hang out with them a while because they know, <laughs> you know? So, what, okay, I want to go, well, 1,001 fun things to do in retirement. Uh, okay. It's lighthearted, uh, more lighthearted maybe than some of your other books, but yeah, I, I'm fascinated by this concept of remember relearning how to play because i feel like it's more than it's a pretty big that's a big topic it's not just about like going and playing a basketball game you're talking about like your whole attitude about being able to yeah well there's a lot of things in here think about uh, i talk about play on the water you know so you're talking fishing swimming paddle boarding which is one of those things that i want to learn how to do you know i just bought a paddle board this past summer Oh my gosh! Well, I'm I'm jealous. I'm um, yeah. It's such I'm, a cool I'm, I'm, sport. Well, I don't even sport, but it's it's it is very cool. I I I was at uh, one of my business partners has a place up at a lake. Uh, this was about a year ago, and we did like a two day retreat up there. And uh, in the morning, I got up and he and he was like, "Oh, you know, we got two paddle boards down. The lake was like glass, perfectly smooth, and." Um, so I went out there and I'd never paddle boarded before, but I snowboard. Mm-hmm. So I was like, mm-hmm. oh, this would be really easy. So I stood on the paddle board like a snowboard where sideways. Yeah. 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 So I'm, so I'm in there, um, I'm paddling around and it's real shaky. And I'm like, I thought my balance was better. So while yeah. I'm out on the lake, I, I did Google how to paddle board. I was <laughs> on the lake. While you were on the lake. I had like one bar of service. I Googled it. And as soon as it came up, it's like, you're, you're standing straight on. You stand straight on, not sideways. It's not like a snowboard. Oh, and I'm like, oh, okay. so, I'm so you think you're snowboarding? Way. You're standing the wrong way. So Isn't that I, something? I, I stood forward, and immediately the whole thing is like super stable, really easy to do. It's awesome. So there you go. Before before you paddleboard, take a lesson. Yeah. <laughs> or while you're paddleboarding yeah. and it's hard, Google it. Yeah. Google uh, it. So I'm so I'm in this lake, and it's in Georgia. And in the state of Georgia, the number one thing that people love is Georgia football. Mm-hmm. So everybody's got Georgia. Yeah. So you're out on this lake, which is pretty close to Athens where the Bulldogs are. Um, I get, you know, I don't know how far out on the lake, but I, I turn around and I'm like, I'm just going to go back to the house. I, I remember that my, my business partner has a, a Georgia Bulldogs flag on the dock. And right. all these docks look really similar. I'm like, but I'll go, I'll go to where the the, the bulldog flag is. The problem is that every they, they, everybody da- has every damn flags. dock had a bulldog on it. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute, that's a, oh, wait, bulldog, bulldog, bulldog. So <laughs> it took me like I don't know. I got lost on the lake. I was lost in a maze of bulldog flags. Sorry, we're off topic. So so that's a good story. So we're, let's go back to being so playful. so. So I had a, here's another one on the on the water thing. I have a friend who's, uh, he's retired about the same I did, but he's a little younger. He's about mid-60s. And uh, he and his wife spent a week fly fishing out in Utah. They had never done it in their life. They went to one of these camps that teaches you how to fly fish. 
And, 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 you know, it, it took some, some money to do that, but he's done well. This guy was reading the Wall Street Journal when he was 12, and he's an economics professor. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> he's, you know, but, but what I'm saying is there's just everything. And one of my chapters in here is about food. I think food is one of the greatest joys in life. <laughs> you it know? so is. It so yeah. is. Even if you're a bad cook like me, it's still so yeah. fun to cook. Yeah, we'll take a take a chili cheeseburger tour if you're in this part of West Texas or, you know, a, a, a Mexican relleno thing. I mean, yeah, that's fun stuff. <laughs> a Mexican relleno. What is a uh, 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 chili relleno? It's a it's a chili. It's a big green or red chili. And if you eat Tex-Mex, which you eat in in our part of the country. Then you're going to eat rellenos. So uh, New Mexico red sauce—that's the key term there. If you can ever get anywhere that sells New Mexico red sauce and get that on a relleno, you're hooked. You're going to want Santa it. Fe. Go to you Santa. You know, I was hooked on. Um, I was in Austin a couple yeah. of years ago. Oh, they have I, good good Mexican food. And we went to uh, this old Mexican. It was like 19 opened in the 50s. And um, what is the? It's a uh, what is that corn like? Yes, it, yes, yes, yes. Uh, tamale. Tamale. Yeah. So I, had, I was there that for masa breakfast. corn. I mean, holy. I mean, I was so hooked on tamales. I got back to Atlanta. I'm Googling tamale places. How do you find a tamale? Can't find one in Atlanta. <laughs> carb, carb City. Schedule a, a long run when you're through with your tamale. <laughs> totally worth it. <laughs> what else? Keep. The, I love all these. So I, a, a chili cheese tour in Texas. Food is fun. Fly fish camp. I love these things. What else? Give me some more fun stuff in retirement. I love these things. Well, for, for people like me, uh, learning could actually be fun. You know, there's things like Wondrium on, online there, which costs, I don't know, $40 or something a quarter. Uh, you can take all these classes and everything. Wonder you, Gym, what, what was the name well, of it? Wondrium, W-O-N-D-R-I-U-M, Wondrium. It used to be called The Great Courses. And, and you can go there and they'll teach you anything from... Uh, Oh, gosh, uh, you know, how to design flower arrangements to Western civilization to I mean, it's just it's just everything. It's like going to a college online and it's very inexpensive and they got the best teachers and people like me that are a little nerdy. You know, I mean, you could spend forever <laughs> just doing that. I've got one here called Shake Your Booty. It's a whole chapter about exercises that are fun, you know, and it's not just um you know, stuff in the gym. I mean, there's a lot of things like biking and hiking and actually dancing is one of the biggest deals. You know? Shake your booty. Shake, Shake your booty. Does that sound like a 73-year-old English prof doing that? You, you are, <laughs> it's you are not such pretty. You're you such a professor and it's so good though. But you're, so you are a big fan of, of biking, hiking. Didn't you write bicycling through a midlife crisis? Yeah. Did you really do that? Well, you know, it's a way to organize your books. You know, uh, if you just tell everything you ever wanted to know about a midlife crisis and were afraid to ask, it's a pretty boring book. So I wrote a book about a story of uh, me and two other buddies doing a long range mountain bike trip down the uh, Canyonlands of uh, West Texas. And it's a, like a two day trip. And in between that, I tell the story that's kind of behind my newspaper columns that I've had in the Globe News and Amarillo for five or six years. 
and my own experience because, man, everything you could do wrong in midlife, I did. And I had crosses with a capital C. <laughs> and so I'm telling that story while I'm telling the bicycle story. I just think that's kind of a fun way to do it. That's what it. happened with your midlife crisis? How'd oh you go gosh. into one? Well, I, let me just make it really short. I changed both jobs and careers. I mean, a whole career change. Uh, I had started out, I told Ryan earlier when we were talking in the day. Producer, I, I by the way, for those listening, producer Ryan Doolittle. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so I started out in, as a camp director, summer camp director in Christian camps, kind of non-denominational camps. And then I was a pastor for a few years. And then I went back and I spent, it's like the 10 years of the desert, going back to school to get two additional degrees so that I can teach writing. Mm. Because I figured I needed a new career. I had already written one book. I felt like, uh, you know, it's something I could do and, and I could teach. Well, maybe I can teach writing. And by the way, I loved it. It was it was the, the ugly duckling discovering he was a swan. Mm. I thought I'll never be happy again, you know, since I've lost these other jobs. And I walked in my first college English class and I was home. And you loved it, yeah. So, and the same thing happened, by the way, too, with retirement after being on the floor of the apartment whining. (laughs) I love what your wife, Charlotte, said. Do something about it. Do something about it. Um, Yeah, and and, and that look was on her face, too. Have you seen looks like that? (laughs) Yes, I have. (laughs) Okay, you don't have to say. (laughs) I've been married for, uh, I guess, not 20 years, but approaching 20. You've seen looks like that, then. Of course. course. (laughs) So you say the best retirement gifts are free. Free. What are they? Well, I I used that as a title to a little blog I wrote about the best retirement gift I got. Okay, so this uh, colleague of mine, who's oh, 20 years younger than me, this lady that's a biology professor, and we're, we're friends with student activities and things. Well, she uh, gets a bunch of people to come to Bella's, Dr. Bella's last lecture. She finds out when I'm going to be delivering my last lecture. About halfway through it, these people just start walking in the door. And each one of them has a rose, and they put it on the, on the desk, and then they just go step back on the back. And somebody's recording all that. And then she takes it after that happened. There were 30 or 40 people that came in the room, and they were former students, some I hadn't seen in years, and colleagues. And, you know, I'm just kind of trying not to blubber right there in front of everybody. But she put music to that and then put it on my Facebook page. And I still listen to that when I, you know, want to, and it, it costs nothing except her time and inventiveness. So, Who is this person? Her name is Dr. Claudie Biggers. She's <laughs> a friend she's, of yours that wanted to give you this wonderful send-off? They just wanted to give us that gift, you know? And yeah, so, you know, people think of retirement Story almost made me want to cry, Mike. Yeah. Holy cow, did you cry? Yeah. Uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> I don't think I did there. <laughs> I think I held it. <laughs> for the, you know, I think my students were going to have to take a test after I finished, so I, I <laughs> want to be too bad. Wow, that uh, that is that's actually very powerful. Um, so let's get to some advice. Again, we write about the happy retiree. We believe here that, and my research has shown. I think a lot of research shows this is that uh, more money does bring higher levels of happiness in the early stages. And really it's probably more about just security and then it tails off. There's a diminishing marginal returns of happiness for new dollars. And I think you believe in that. Um, What is some advice for folks that are maybe closer to a more traditional retirement age? I mean, you write Uh, about baby boomers. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, do the dream thing. I mean, if, if you want to read the best is yet to be, uh, Kinder's book is a good thing, but get that done and get the hope. Uh, I think that two of the things that are really helping me, and, and one of them is something I got from your book, and, and that is that multiple stream of retirement. You know, you, you say, I think that the average happy retirement has, what, 2.6? Uh, yeah, I've got, I've got eight, legitimate eight income streams. So, and, Mike, and so Mike, I want to reiterate what? that. What Mike is, he's referring to, you're, Mike, you're referring to multiple streams of income yes. in retirement. And there is this concept that the more and different streams we have, the higher probability that they don't go away because we have diversification within income streams. So to your point, and there's a difference, unhappy retirees end up averaging more like two and a half, happy retirees are more like three and a half. So you have eight I do have eight, and and I'm counting like I'm counting each one of my income properties as a separate stream. Sure, because it is absolutely sure, and and I count my books that way, uh, the the books that are making money. I've got a lot sure. that aren't making money, sure, sure. but 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 they are, and and you know, I mean, income streams can go away, and so I think that's the reason you have multiple ones, but they also kind of I think help somewhat in uh, with inflation and so forth. Because, you know, like with our properties, I don't want to do it, but you can raise rents. And, you know, you, you've got some that give you the options to kind of go with whatever's going on. And then the third thing, and, and I think it was something in, in your deal, too, I don't remember, but um, the whole activity thing. I'm still climbing mountains. I'm still taking long bike rides. Boy, I just think movement. I look at my friends, you know. I mean, I'm out of the 60s now and starting into the 70s. And that matters more than just about anything is, is people's health. And I think two things there, I think relationships, you know, and you talked about with kids and but but just uh, all kinds of relationships and a, a lot of movements, a lot of uh, physical activities you can be passionate about. And, yeah, yeah, so we call them core pursuits, uh, hobbies on steroids, and a lot of those tend to be, I would say, physically active and, and it's... It, it, very often the happy retiree has, has several physically active core pursuits. Um, and it sounds like you do too. And you're now in your seventies and you're still doing oh, a yeah. lot of this. You're still, it. still, are you still mountain biking? Uh, I am mountain biking. I'm, I do a little more hiking awesome. than mountain biking because especially those single track mountain bike trails, that, that ain't good for my body. And I've started doing, um, you know, you can combine things. I went to California this summer and took a day hike with two of my older grandboys. And I haven't done, you know, we don't know each other well. And this was, it was wonderful. So I'm going to do more of that. Oh, like a whole day hike with the kids. Yeah, the, the absolutely. Kids. Yeah. Speaking of, don't you have like 10 grandkids? You have five I kids, do. 10 grandkids. 10 grandkids. And they go from like 25 down to six. So I, you know, I can get in on any level of <laughs> stuff I want to do. What uh, do you, they, so my research shows that the propensity to live, if you live close to your, your kids and I didn't ask about grandkids, but yeah, uh, happiness levels tend to rise or do you live near them? Uh, you know, the, the, the short answer is no. Um, and, and it would be difficult. I've, I've got them in the West coast and the East coast and in the south part of Texas. But here's the deal. You, you're still 
very engaged and the more engaged that you can be with them, like you go to see them, you invite them to come see you. Um, I'm trying to think that there's some other, well, you know, the whole deal. I wasn't on Instagram until my grandkids got on Instagram and you know, that's where they are. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so true. you can do that in a lot of, you know, a lot of ways, but, um, I guess even more important to me is the whole relationship thing. And you, yeah. you probably could add that somewhere to your list of things for happy retirees because it, it kids, but you know, people, you can't be a hermit and be a happy retiree. So I, I think you need yeah. a lot. And, and I think you need it intergenerational. You need mm. younger people as well as older, you know? Well, I would agree with that completely. I and you've got so you you make a big effort to see your kids and the grandkids, and and, and you're able to do that and travel. Yeah. yeah. What about the? You've been married for a long time. Yeah. Uh, what's the secret to that, man? <laughs> well, see, I, I knew this question was coming, and and I asked my wife. Get my my notes here. I remember <laughs> she said hard work. Uh, <laughs> let me see what else she said. Oh. She said, hard work and play and ability to change. And then she added hard work again. <laughs> Sounds like know. it's easy being married to you, man. <laughs> well, hard work, hard work, and hard work. Uh, <laughs> well, you know what I mean by that, though, right? Yeah, of course. I mean, yeah, I mean, it just takes effort. It, it, it takes, just takes a effort. lot of effort. Just it like does. friendships take effort. Everything takes some sort of effort. And when yeah. the effort goes away, then the relationship goes away. Yeah. Um, and the ability to change. So how about, so have you both had gone through a lot of changes since you've gotten into retirement? We had a marital counselor tell us during, during my midlife thing that in order for our marriage to really make it, we would have to both change. Mm. If just one of us changed, it wouldn't do it. Mm. And, and I, I almost think that everyone has that experience somewhere. It may not happen along midlife or whatever, but you need to be growing as people. You can't just have the husband growing and not the wife or the wife growing and not the husband or somewhere you're going to, you know, end up against the wall. So, I, yeah, I think that change is, is really important. I'm even noticing, by the way, that there's kind of a first part of retirement. And I, I need to write some time about stage two. I think I'm in retirement 201 now. Uh, the the 70s it. are different than the 60s. Yeah. What is the big the difference that you see the most? Well, there are physical challenges mm -hmm. and you need to adjust. You know, and, and then you talked about, um, I don't know if it's yours, but, you know, rebalancing your portfolio mm -hmm. and stuff at times. Well, I think you kind of have to rebalance. So I, I had all these goals for the first, you know, three, four or five years of retirement and you know, most of them have, have happened. Mm. They've, you know, the, the house is built and we're loving it. And uh, uh, a lot of the trips are taken and the books were written. So what now? Yeah. So you've got to continue to have your list evolve. And maybe that goes back to your word creative. And I'd say the, yeah. the happy retiree is a curious retiree. Curious. It's a good way to put it. Yeah. And then curiosity is so important. Curiosity killed the cat. Lack of curiosity killed the happy retiree. You got to keep going and, and evolving to your point. Um, you have a, a PhD in technical communication. What is, what is that? <laughs> well, it's a neat sounding uh, degree that got me my job. It's an English teacher. <laughs> uh, technical communication is defined as, as writing for the scientific or the business world. Ah. 
And, and so, you know, all these big, long reports and even lawyers' briefs are kind of technical writing. And back when I was going back to school, so I was 48 years old when I finished this degree. Well, it, it's hard to get a job teaching college, you know, if you're just a newly minted uh, 48-year-old or mm-hmm. something. Well, if you're just 48. But if, if you got skills that the younger ones don't have, and this was the time that the internet was really taken off, and I knew how to teach online classes and all that because I had just gone back to school. And, and then finally, I think the thing that really helped me in this book is that uh, you become a really good researcher, mm. and research is everything. So one thing I can say about my retirement book, I'll bet it's researched the best is yet to be one. I'll bet it's researched as well as anybody else's. You know, if, if you want to find out what uh, I basically did, English teachers call it a, a literature review. <laughs> you take all the major books that have been written in the last 10 years and you synthesize. And that's basically what it is. And you continue to write. What's next on the docket for you, Mike? Oh, I have several. <laughs> you probably, you're not surprised. I, I kind of want to update the best is yet to be one. Because, you know, things change sure. and I like it. Whenever I read somebody's book, I'll come in, especially if they wrote it seven or eight years ago, I'll go find out what they're doing and what worked. Mm. And then so I want to talk about that because some things worked and some didn't. Um, I've got a book I'm going to write about. Um, we had a group of at-risk students in the community college that uh, were just amazing kids and, and they kind of bound together uh, just on their own spontaneously and helped each other succeed. They, they called themselves finishers. And I, I want to write their story. It's Where just is this? a great That's, that's story. kind of fascinating. Where are they? Is this in Texas? Yeah, it's at uh, Amarillo College where I taught. And uh, they basically drugged this old professor along with them <laughs> into the thing. But, uh, you know, they're talking to me about me changing them and, and they changed me. I mean... Yeah, it's a good story. One day it'll be out there. What is the mascot of Amarillo College? You're gonna believe. You're gonna believe this. The Badger. The Badger. I don't know why it's a Badger. It ought to be a Roadrunner or a Buffalo or those were probably all taken. <laughs> yeah. When I, I mean, was at Phoenix College, it was the Artichoke. Oh come on! <laughs> what is- no, they really did. This was a '60s thing. And, you know, everybody's just trying to be anti-establishment. And so they changed their their mascot to the artichoke. Well, that's a scary mascot. Oh, the that's fighting artichokes. Um, <laughs> all right, Mike, thank you so much, my friend. I'm glad. Um, I love Texas. And um, I've made a few trips in my life to Texas, and I always love it. It's kind of like the, it's like my dream place. I always think I'm supposed to live in Texas. Oh, wow. um, hey, that may be that swan that's inside you. Do you yeah, think? it might be one it's of those things. You? It's like, ah, oh, I'm supposed to live in Texas. <laughs> well, for if a you're while. ever in this part of Texas, you come by. I will. I will. For sure. Okay. Well, you're wonderful. Uh, I love talking to you. You're a true English professor. It comes out like it's you. I love it. And uh, keep writing. Uh, I love your work. And uh, I think our, our audience, too, the Retire Center audience, will love it as well. All right. Thank you very much, Wes. Thanks for having me. 
Hey, y'all. This is Mallory with the Retire Sooner team. Please be sure to rate and subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend. If you have any questions, you can find us at westmoss.com. That's W-E-S-M-O-S-S.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and YouTube. You'll find us under the handle Retire Sooner Podcast. And now for our show's disclosure. This podcast is provided to you as a resource for informational purposes only and is not to be viewed as investment advice or recommendations. This information is being presented without consideration of the investment objectives, risk tolerance, or financial circumstances of any specific investor and might not be suitable for all investors. It is not intended to and should not form a primary basis for any investment decision that you may make. Always consult your own legal, tax, or investment advisor before making any investment or financial planning considerations. Please refer to the full disclosure in the podcast description for any additional information information.